Hello and welcome to the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church Sabbath School podcast presented from the Three Angels Studio right here in Albuquerque, New Mexico. I am Elder Nick and this week's lesson is titled, Fear God and Give Glory to Him. And it is for the week of April 15th through the 21st. Now, let's go ahead and get started with the lesson. This lesson is going to be very, very interesting and very powerful and... I really enjoyed studying it, and I hope you guys enjoy studying it with me. So with that, let's go ahead and say a short prayer. We thank you, Lord, for this beautiful day that you've given us. Lord, we ask that you be here with us as we go over this lesson, that your Holy Spirit open our minds and our hearts to the word that you have presented, and that the word and message that is behind this week's lesson reaches us and allows us to just get closer to you and to be able to glorify and honor your name. Lord, we ask you to be with us today and to forgive us of our sins and our transgressions. We ask all these things in your Son's precious and holy name. Amen. So with that, let's go ahead and start with the memory text. The memory text this week is found in Revelation 14.12. And the verse goes, Here is the patience of the saints. Here are those who keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Now, this week's lesson is so good. I mean, the information in here, it, it's so straightforward. The The purpose behind it is so powerful that you, you enjoy reading it multiple times. And I have. I've, I've read it a couple times, and it is every time I read it, it, something new kind of pops out in this week's lesson. But there's a part here that I really want us to look at. Um, in the study guide. It has this Danish author named Soren Kierkegaard. Now, anybody who knows Kierkegaard knows that this person is a Danish writer. They they write all these really weird parables and it's really powerful. The one that was recognized in this I think is so so informative and so powerful that it really outlines what this quarter is about when it comes to understanding the three angels' message. So let me go ahead and read what this Danish author, Kierkegaard, wrote. And it says, A fire broke out backstage at a big theater. A clown, who had been part of the performance, came out to warn the audience, Get out! The place is on fire! The audience thought this was a big joke, part of the show, and that's all. And just applauded. He repeated the warning again, saying, get out, get out. But the more emphatically he warned them, the greater the applause. For Kierkegaard, this is how the world is going to end. That is, to the general applause of wits who believe it's a joke. Wow. It's... Crazy that when you read Revelation and you understand what is occurring in the chapter of Revelation, that there are going to be those that even when Christ returns in the clouds and you hear the trumpets and you see the angel armies and you see the world changing, instantly there are going to be those that are standing there staring at you going, I don't believe it. I, I don't see what you're seeing, I it's not real, it's, there's something in the water, basically. And it's scary when you think about 
the end times, the end times message, which is presented through the angels, three angels message, that there are going to be those that are just going to ignore it, who aren't really going to listen to it. They'll, they'll hear it, but they're not going to care. It's, it's important for everybody to know that the end time is near. We're seeing it in our world today. We're seeing so many different things happening. We're seeing economies crash. We're seeing people getting sick. We're seeing suffering. We're seeing war. We're seeing famine. We're seeing pestilence. We're seeing all the things that Revelation talks about coming to fruition today. And the fact that there are people who are just looking at going, oh, it's just a normal world thing. This is going to happen. It's going to pass. We're going to get through it. But for those who have studied those that have looked at Revelation, who have looked at this message, what we're seeing is something completely different. What we're understanding is something completely beyond what these other individuals are seeing. And it's it's something that you know we see in the Bible time and time again, that there will be a warning that is presented and there are going to be a mass majority of people who will ignore it. Look at the flood, for instance. The flood is one of those situations that Noah was given a message that God was going to destroy the world because the world had become full of wickedness and evil. And God was ashamed of what happened and was going to destroy it. But Noah and his family were faithful. They were believers. They understood God, and they worshipped God, and they uh, loved God, and they feared God, and they gave glory unto him. They were saved. They were blessed with the opportunity to continue to live. But during that time, they were They were being picked on. They were being ridiculed for building this massive ark that was designed to save the entire world. And these people had never seen a drop from the sky. They had never seen rain because the world was fruitful. There was grass, there was trees, and everything was just handled perfectly, that there was no need to build a huge ark. But Noah was instructed by God to build this ark, to build this ship, this vessel that was going to carry all of the animals to safety, including Noah's family. And Noah, I'm I'm really sure that Noah sat there and warned everybody, saying, repent, repent. You know, ask for forgiveness. Come before your God and, you know, make things right for yourself. Get on the ark. Join us. Come and survive and live. And I'm guaranteeing that there are people out there just laughing at him up until the moment that the water hit their ankles. I bet even beyond that, they were still laughing, saying, oh, this is just a fluke. The old world at that time passed away. It perished by water. And in Second Peter 3.10, it says, The heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. People, this is saying that the world, when... Christ returns and gathers his people, gathers the saints, those that are left, including the fallen angels and Satan, are going to be destroyed. 
Because when the new earth is created, the one that God had intended for all of us to be a part of, wow, it's, it, there's nothing left of the old world that's going to survive. Very similar to what happened in Noah's time. Now, as we go through the study, let's go ahead and we're, we're going to take a look at the very next lesson. This is the lesson for Sunday, and it's called Fear God. It says in the very first paragraph, the purpose of the book of Revelation for our generation is to prepare people to be ready for Jesus' soon return and to unite with him in his giving his last day message to the world. Revelation reveals the plans of God and unmasks the plans of Satan. It presents God's final appeal, his urgent, eternal, universal message for all humanity. Now, I love that it shows here in this lesson that it says the Greek New Testament word for fear, which is found in Revelation 14.7, is phobia. Now, we understand phobia as the fear of. So there's a lot of people who have arachnophobia or some other phobia. I, I, there are so many out there that people have a fear, an irrational fear of something. You know, for me, I guess you could say I have a sort of arachnophobia. I, I hate, I, ugh, I cannot stand little itty-bitty spiders, the ones that are just so small and you feel that they're crawling on you, it's just not good. To me, I, 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 I scream. It's, it's not a good sight. But here, let's take a look at this word phobio. Now, it is not used here in the sense of being afraid of God, but it's used in the sense of reverence and awe and respect, which is, you know, very important to understand because when you hear somebody say, you know, fear God, you know, fear him, people are saying, are saying you need to be scared of God. You need to be terrified of God. And that's, that's the impression that a lot of people get when it says fear God. But what it's actually saying is respect God. Respect them as you would your parent. Don't, you don't fear your parents. You respect your parents, right? This is the same thing. It's you show your reverence and your awe of your creator. You respect your creator. You don't have to be scared of your creator. You don't have to be terrified of your creator. And that is a very important thing to understand when you're reading this and getting an, an idea of what it's talking about. Now, when you give your full and absolute loyalty to God and you relinquish yourself to God, you have like this, this change in yourself where you want to do things that glorify his name, that honor his name. You don't want to do the things that you used to do. You don't want to do the things that are holding you back, like the worldly things, money, cars, power, fame. When you give yourself to God and you give that fear, that reverence, that awe, that respect to God, your attitude and your, your outlook on things become much different. Because you recognize that nothing in this world compares to what God can do. There's nothing in this world that can give you the same happiness that God can give you. There's nothing in this world that can fulfill your life and fill your soul and heart with so much happiness and joyness and pleasure 
than God. Nothing in this world can do that. The fastest car in the world can't give you the same exhilaration that God can give you when you give yourself to him. In Isaiah 14, 13, it says, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the most high. Now, this is talking about Lucifer. Okay? Lucifer wants to take you away. Satan wants to take you away from focusing on God. He wants you to focus on himself, on yourself. And by this, I'm talking very specifically about this selfishness, that self-centeredness, that Lucifer, that Satan has basically become the master of. He wants you to be like him. He doesn't want you to be like God. He doesn't want you to give your love, your attention, your, your being to God. He wants you to give it to him. He wants to be the center of attention. Now, this verse in Isaiah is Lucifer talking to the rest of the angels and he's telling them, I will ascend. I will exalt. I will also sit. I, I, I. It's so self-centered. He wants the focus and the attention on himself. And if he can get you to do the same, wow, it's going to be very hard to get out of that. But you can get out of that. Put your faith back into God. God will lead you away from that. God will guide you from dealing with that. Now, this attitude is very contrary to what the attitude that Christ had. God humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. And this is in Philippians 2, 6, and 8. This is the character of Christ. Christ could have came here and just focused on himself, said, I'm here just to save me, not care about anybody else. But that's not, that's not who God is. That's not who Jesus is. They wanted to show that the love and compassion that they have for mankind is so great that they were willing to, Give themselves. Christ was willing to give himself all the way to the point of death to prove his love for, for his people. That's powerful. Satan wouldn't do that. Satan would not sacrifice himself for anyone else because Satan is very self-centered. He's very focused on himself. You know, he, he'd rather do everything he can to rule than to submit. And that is crucial for us to understand. Do we want to live in this world where we think only about ourselves? What kind of world is that? What kind of place is that? What, what kind of life is that when you only focus on yourself? How happy can you really be? How much joy can you really have when it's all about you? I, I, I can't comprehend what that would be like, what that would entail it's here in the lesson it says, you know, rather than submit to the one upon the throne, Lucifer desired to rule the throne. But simply to fear God is to place him first in our thinking. It is to renounce our self centeredness and pride and to live a life 
holy for him. And to, to take into account of all this, it was one of the first parts of the th- first angel's message of the three. It was one of the very first things that was said. And people just, we need to really focus on where our, our, our fear, our reverence, our respect is actually going. Is it going to us? Or is it going to God? Are we giving him that respect that he deserves? That's a good question for us. Now, as we get into the next lesson, you know, it's fearing and obeying God. You know, it, it asks, what else does the Bible teach us about what it means to fear God? And there's a couple of verses we can look at. And let's go ahead and let's look at Deuteronomy 6.2. Deuteronomy 6, 6.2. So let me go ahead and open my Bible. I'm, I'm trying to learn how to use my Bible a little bit more because I think uh, when you scroll through it, you find things that, you know, a text or a app will kind of keep you from seeing. And I think when you open the Bible, you're going to sometimes stumble upon things that are just so much more powerful. So let's see, 6, 6, let's see, 6, 2, Deuteronomy 6, 2. And it says that you may fear the Lord your God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson and all the days of your life and that your days may be prolonged. So, it's saying not only to give him respect, to love him, to, to fear the Lord, but also to respect his commandments, his commands, his orders for us to live a good life. And that not just us, but our sons, our grandsons, our great-great-grandsons, and all of the family that we have should be doing the same. It's a simple commandment. You know, we know what the Ten Commandments are. We know what, how important those are to God, that they're there for a reason. Now, the other passages all do the same. They all talk about his commandments. You know, it says here, fearing God is an attitude of reverential respect that leads us to obedience. When we give our respect to God and we give ourselves to him, and we continue to learn more about his word, and we continue to dive deeper into his word, and we understand the things that God has done for us to help save us. Despite the fact that he could have just wiped all of this out, because we are sinners, and we are you know, fallen, and pretty much we're fallen creatures. There's nothing that we can do to save ourselves, but God laid out a plan to save us, to make sure that we survive, that we live, that we continue to be more than what we really are. And that is just a beautiful thing. But when you understand this, you start seeing these things and you start going, yes, I need to follow. I need to listen. You know, he's not, he's not forcing us to, he's not demanding that we have to, he's saying, if you love me, you'll follow my commandments. If you love me, you will do what I ask. It's simple as that. 
he's not beating us with a stick to follow him because loving someone out of fear isn't really love. Loving someone because you're forced to isn't love. You cannot force love. Love is something you grow into. And for us to grow into love with our Lord, our Savior, is by reading his word, reading the things that he's done for us, understanding and communing with him and praying to him and asking him to be a part of our lives. When we start feeling that, we start getting that, we're going to start seeing so much more out of it and your heart is just going to want to follow because the beauty and the, 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 the treasures that you can gain from following the Lord is more than anything on this earth. And I keep saying that. I know we say it so many times throughout our lessons, but it's true. The gifts that God will give you when you start following and obeying him, the things he does for you is just beyond anything we can ever comprehend. Now, it does say heaven's urgent appeal for us for those saved by grace is to be obedient to God's command. So grace does not free us from being from obeying the commands of God. And this is one of those things that people kind of get confused. And this is something we've talked about before that, you know, you are saved by grace, but there are things you still have to do. You can't just say, oh, I'm saved and call it a day and no matter, and no matter what you're doing. No, no, you need to make a reformation in your life. Saving, saved by grace is the pardon that we need. But now we need to be able to tie that into how we live our lives. We can't still live a sinner's life and expect that when Christ returns in the clouds that we're going to be saved. We can't expect that. We can't expect that, you know, the sacrifice that God made for us is all that ever had to be done and we're good to go for the rest of our lives. No, 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 no. We need to... Follow his commandments. The commandments, you know, you shall have no other God before me. The very first one. You know, what What are we making our gods today? Money, power, fame? Are we taking an actress or actor? Are we putting them in a position higher than God? Are we putting ourselves higher than God? Are we more self-centered? Are we honoring our mother and father? Are we not are we coveting somebody else's stuff? Are we committing adultery in our lives? Are we murdering someone? Now the murdering part is not just a physical killing. It's also are you murdering them in your heart? Are you so angry or or have an attitude that's so bad towards somebody else that you basically are committing murder? That's that's what we need to figure out with this. You know, we, we are not saved just by grace. There are layers to it. Now, it says here, the gospel sets us free from the law's condemnation, not from our responsibility to obey it. And again, there's, this lesson is so full of stuff that when we look at our lives, we look at our neighbors, we look at those around us, a majority of us aren't receiving the full message. We're not told the full message. And this is where our responsibility comes in play when we're looking at the three angels' message to go out and to share to all tribes, nations, tongues, all of that. That is our mission is to share that Christ is coming again, that there is salvation at the end of this if you give yourself to Christ, to God. So that's what we need to 
look at and understand. But now here it says, grace not only delivers us from the guilt of our past, but it also empowers us to live godly. So when you allow that grace to permeate through your spirit, through your heart, through your mind, you're going to want to follow the commandments. That's what it's saying. You're going to want to do what is right. You're going to want to do what God wants to, us to do when you accept that grace. It's all part of the obedience part. It's a part of that respect, you know, how we keep talking about fearing God and obeying God. It's, it's two sides of the same book, the same page. And that page is the love for God, the love for his law, the love for his people's. How are we doing that? How are we sharing that same message? And like I said, you know, there is this belief right now that, you know, there are some people who have the strange idea that salvation by grace somehow negates the law of God and minimizes necessity for obedience. They believe that anything talking about the Ten Commandments, anything that talks about following the laws of God, the, the rules that God has set out for us in order to be obedient is legalism. It's a law that we have to follow. We're going to be punished. You know, yes, if you break the commandments, the punishment for that is death. But because of grace, we can be freed from that death if we reform our lives, reform our hearts, reform ourselves, and become obedient and fearing of God. Now, to really emphasize this, People believe that all you have to do is just have faith in Christ and you're saved. That you're good to go. That you're you're the, on the next level. That you don't have to really follow the Ten Commandments. That those were wiped out when Christ was here. No, that's not the case, my friends. My brothers and sisters, that is not the case at all. Because Christ didn't come to to invalidate the law. That was not his reasoning for doing that. He was here to show us that we all can live a good, sinless life by following the law that God has set out for us. It's so important for us to look at that and understand that Jesus is the embodiment of all doctrinal truth. Jesus is truth incarnated. He is doctrine lived out. That's what Christ was here to show. He was here to show that there is a avenue, a path, following God's law, following God's rules, to live a sinless life, to be saved by the grace of God, to be saved by the grace that was there established. And all we have to do is make sure we follow God's commandments. And that's exactly what Christ did on this earth. He showed us that it is possible that we can, we can do this. And the, it was the example that was needed for all of us. It's important to understand that as we go through Scripture, as we go through this lesson, that we take that opportunity and we understand and accept the law, that we are obedient to the law, to God, and that we give the respect 
given that is necessary. As we get into the very next lesson, living a God-centered life, when you understand these things and you start putting them into practice in your life, you start living a God-centered life. You start living a life that God has planned for you. And it completely changes how everything in your life turns out, how it goes. We're living in an age of consumerism. Secular values have made the self-center. Heaven's appeal is to turn from the tyranny of self-centeredness and the bondage of self-inflated importance to place God to the center of our lives. For some, money is the center of their lives. For others, it is pleasure or power. For some, it may be sports, music, or entertainment. Revelation's message is a clarion call to fear, respect, and honor God as life's true center. Do we make God the center of our lives? It's a good question. Do the things you do during your day, the things that you practice, the things that you watch or read or, or just go about, are you putting God first? Are you making him the center of all that? Or are you putting yourself your own selfishness, your own needs above that. Are you replacing God with that, that form of entertainment? Are you replacing God with, with the money that you're earning? Are you replacing God with the car that you have? These are the questions you need to be asking yourself. And again, as we talked about, God wants you to have great and wonderful things. He wants you to have a beautiful home. He wants you to have the ability to take care of your family. He wants you to have the things that your heart desires. But all he asks for is do it right. Understand that it is just a material thing, though, that the ultimate prize, the ultimate gift is coming at the end. Don't allow the things we have in this world to hold us in this world, to look to God as being something greater. Are we doing that in our lives today? Are we really focusing on God or are we just focusing on the things around us? Are we trapped in this world? It says in Philippians 2.5, it says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Jesus Christ. Christ, Jesus, his focus was on, was on God, on communing with his Father, on doing the will of his Father. Are we letting our mind be set on God? Are we letting ourselves to do that? And it says here, the word let means to allow or to choose. It speaks of a volitional act of the will. The choice to have the mind on Christ is a choice to allow Jesus to shape our thinking by filling our minds with the things of eternity. Our actions, people, our actions reveal where our thinking process is. To fear God is to make him first in our lives. And I, I love how it says in this lesson, it says, think about how easy, in one sense, it is to control your thoughts, at least when you are conscious that you need to control them. You know, it's, it's an easy choice for us to make, to say, yes, I will let Jesus enter my life and change me in my heart, in my mind, in my soul, my spirit, my body, my being. I want Christ to enter and to change me to be a better 
person, to be more like him. It's a big choice, but it's an easy choice. The other option is follow the path of Satan. Let the world control you. Let the, the items, the material things control who you, who you are. Let them be your focus. It's that or that. It's just, it's important to really recognize that, to, to put yourself in a position and say, if, if I put myself in Christ, will my life be better? That's an obvious answer, yes. When you give yourself to the Lord, your life will change for the better. It's not going to be easy because nothing good ever is easy. Nothing that's worth doing is ever easy. But the rewards of following Christ is so, so much better than, than anything. The fastest car can't come to it. The mo- all the money in the world can't compare. All the jewels and possessions and everything can't compare to what it is to, to share in the communion with God himself. It's so important for us right now, as we're living in the times that Revelation calls out, that we are, we are doing what we need to do to be right in his eyes. That we're not just saying that we're following him, but we're actually following him. That we're actually living the life that he has set for us. That we are actually doing the things that God wants us to do. That's what we need to be focused on. It's so important. I keep saying that it's important. It's important. It's important. We're naturally going to tend to want to do and live in the things of the world. We're going to naturally want to follow the world because that's what sin wants us to do. That's what Lucifer wants us to do. That's what Satan has planned for us to do is to to live in this world and take our eyes and our focus off of our Savior, to take our eyes and focus off our Lord. And we can't do that. We cannot allow ourselves to become victims even further than what we already are. That's why the world is so full of flashiness, so full of things that detract you from being able to focus on God that cause you to question the things around you. There's so much that's happening that... The world is trying to distract us and the distractions are getting bigger and bigger and bigger and they're becoming harder and harder to ignore. You know, it's it's like what a magician does. A magician will have you focusing on his left hand, making it so, so infectious that you can't help but stare at his left hand and the things that are going on it. But in reality, his right hand is doing something to trick you. It's trying to do something to deceive you. It's trying to do something to to make you think magic is happening for real. You know, it's like, I have you looking at this bottle cap, right? As you're looking at this bottle cap, I'm robbing you blind with this other hand. That's what's going on in this world right now. God is doing everything he can to get us to focus on him. He's putting these beautiful things in front of us. Say, when you follow me, your God, your, your home, you putting me first, I will bless you. I will, I will make sure you're, you're, you're good, that you, that you don't have to worry about 
being condemned and paying the penalty for sin. The devil doesn't care. The devil wants you to fall with him. Because if he can get you to fall with him, he's, he's, he's done his damage to God. That's his end goal. Because Satan already knows at the end of this, he's, he's lost the war. But he's going to take everybody he can with him. He's going to do everything he can to get you to take your mind off of where it should be, to take your eye off the ultimate prize. He's going to get you distracted. And we got to do everything we can to, to stand against that. And when you put God first in your life and you make him the center of your life, you're the center of your family, the center of everything you do, brothers and sisters, Satan can't touch you. Satan can't put a dent in that armor. But if you start allowing the things of the world to influence you, you're just putting your own chinks in your armor. You're putting your own vulnerabilities in there that Satan can use to tear you down, to make you fall with him when the time is there. biggest thing we got to do is we got to remember to give glory to God. Give glory for the things he's done for us. Look at the world that he's given you. The things he has put in your life. You know, It says in Revelation 19, 1 and 2, it says, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God for true and righteous are his judgments. God's not going to punish somebody who lives the life that he has put for you. You follow his commandments, you obey him, you give him the praise, the respect that he rightfully deserves. You accept that Christ died for us. You want to follow God, you want to live the life God has set for you. The judgment at the end of days when you're standing before Jesus, you're standing before God. How nice would it be to have Jesus stand there and go, this person followed, this person was there, this person lived your commandments, followed and obeyed your law. Yes, he may or she may have spots in their lives, but I stand in that way of those spots and I cleanse them with my own blood. How wonderful will that be on that day to know that that judgment, which we all rightfully deserve, which is death, because we are all sinners, that Jesus can stand in our way when we have fully given ourselves to him, we have followed and we have obeyed and we have listened, that he could stand in front of his father and say, I have already paid their price. They are washed clean. That is so beautiful. That is what I want at the end of this. That is what I am looking forward to. And I will give glory to God every day for knowing that Jesus has stepped in on my behalf. He has stepped in on your behalf. It is such a beautiful thing. And all that God asks for us is to recognize what he has done for us. 
When we fell out of the garden, when Adam and Eve took a bite of that fruit and disobeyed and allowed sin to enter their lives, God could have destroyed them both right there and started new. He could have. But God loved his creations. God loves us. That he is giving us a chance, an opportunity of our own free will, our own choosing to accept him, to love and honor and glorify his name. He's giving us that opportunity. He's not forcing us to do it. He's not declaring that we have to do it. He wants us to willingly do it. He wants us to do it with our hearts out of love because the things he has done for us is out of love. It's not because he has to. He doesn't have to do anything. This is God we're talking about. God does not have to do anything that he does not want to do. But to save us, to give us that opportunity to to commune and to be one in harmony with him again, that is love. To sacrifice your own child in order to save your other children to bring them home to you and give them that opportunity for salvation, that opportunity to, to be there. And he's even laid out the plans, what we've got to do to do this. He's laid out the laws. He's laid out the, the things, the instructions for us. All we have to do is follow those instructions, recognize the sacrifice, give glory to our Lord, give glory to our Savior, and accept him with our hearts openly and fully. When God is the center of our lives, our one desire is to give him glory. So when we put God first, the glory automatically comes out of us. Whether through our diet, our dress, our entertainment, our interaction with others, we give glory to to God is reveal his character of love to the world through our commitment to doing his will. We know the fruits of the Spirit. The Ten Commandments are the nature of God. The fruit of the Spirit is the nature of God. Christ on earth lived with man to show us the nature of God of what God is willing to go through for us to show us his love. And as we're getting close to the, to the end, as we're getting close to the end of Revelation, it's so important that we recognize this love that he has for us, this, this willingness to do whatever he needs to do to save us. Sinners, to save sinners to bring them home to him. We just need to give ourselves to him. And when I mean give ourselves, it's our whole selves. It says in New Testament Greek word for bodies, in this passage, is somata, which is better translated the collective sum of who you are, your body, your mind, and your emotions to give all of that willingly to God, to put God first in all that, you're going to want to give 
your mind, your body, and emotions to him. This is an active, intelligent worship. You know, and taking heed to obey is indeed definitely a good idea, right? There is so much that's happening in our world today that we really need to make sure that our focus is where it's needed the most, and that's keeping our focus on God, on his law, and sharing that beautiful grace that he has given us with others, sharing the nature of God with others. We need to do that in our lives, people. And that's following the three angels' message of sharing the word to all ends of the earth, to share that with our neighbors, to share that with our family, our friends, our coworkers. We need to focus on, on making sure that people see that the most important thing in our lives is our God. That worldly things will not come close to that. And it goes back in that, that whole thing of testimony. You know, when you share the things that God has done in your life to those who may not know God, and they see the things that God has done for you, that has so much power, that has so much influence, that has so much of just something that's hard to describe that a testimony can change someone's life. A testimony can get them to pick up the Bible and invite God into their hearts, invite the Holy Spirit into their, into their home. In Revelations Overcomers, which is the next part of the lesson, here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. This is in Revelation 14.12 again. And this is just talking about those that are faithful to God in the end days, those that are following the words and law of God. Those are keeping them, the commandments of God in their hearts. And they know that their faith of Jesus. And it's very important that, you know, when we look at this lesson, it says, the text does not say faith in Jesus, which is important. The faith of Jesus is something more. It is a quality of faith that Christ enabled to be victorious over Satan's fiercest temptations. I want to have the same faith of Jesus. I want to have that faith, that type of love, that type of understanding. That's what I want in my life. I want the faith of Jesus. That even as Christ was sitting there on the cross, getting nailed to it, having to endure that pain, that suffering, his faith was still strong. His faith was so strong that in that time, he pleaded for us and told his father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The people that were putting him there, he his faith and his compassion was so strong still in that moment that he still interceded and said, forgive them. He took on that burden for us. He took on that, that suffering for us because his faith in his father and in the love that his father has for his people was that strong. Even as he was sitting there being tempted, by Satan. I mean, Satan gave him 
all of this, took him to the highest mountain, said, all of this could be yours if you bend the knee to me. And Christ looked at him and said, no. For it is written that I will do the will of my Father. Jesus knew what his mission was. His faith and his mission, his faith, his his centeredness with God was unbreakable. That is, that is so beautiful and so powerful when we look at it. That's where I want to be. I know, brothers and sisters, that's where you want to be right now too. That you want a faith of Jesus. You want to have your faith in Jesus, but you want the same faith of Jesus. Because Jesus overcame. He was victorious. He was triumphant. He was triumphant over sin, over this life, this worldliness. He was victorious over death. He triumphed over Satan. He did everything that was needed, and he did it following and trusting in God. He was a living embodiment of the promises that God had made. We look out through the entire Old Testament. It was leading to Christ. It was leading to Jesus. Everything that God said he was going to do, he did. Everything. He laid out the plan for salvation before it was needed. He knew what he had to do. God never does anything by coincidence. He doesn't do anything by chance. God does what he says he's going to do because he knows what needs to be done. Anybody who's ever had a leader in their lives that knew what what needed to be done, the people that followed them always were successful. Always met the goals that were in, in front of them. We've had leaders where they didn't know fully everything that they had to know. They were still questioning their own, their own status. And in a lot of cases, those leaders never really get anywhere. But God is our leader. We follow him when we put our faith in him. And we do it willingly. Soldiers can recognize a good leader. And when they recognize a good leader, they follow willingly. Because they know that leader will put what needs to be done first and will do it in a way to keep their people safe. That's what a good leader does. A good leader looks out for those in their command and ensures that everything they need to do to make sure the mission's completed with no casualties, with no wounds, with no issues, they will do what has to be done. And if it means pulling back real quick to allow their men to recoup, they'll pull back. They won't just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and cost the lives of men. They will do what they have to do to make sure that everyone is safe. Here, this is what God did. Jesus allowed Satan to tempt him just to show Satan that his temptations mean nothing. The promises that Satan has mean nothing. He allowed Satan to run his talk, to talk his game, to do what he says or to say what he wants to say. But when Christ said, no, I will not give in to you, 
for it is written that I'm going to do the will of my father. I am going to fulfill my father's mission. He put Satan in this place and said, I already know the outcome. I already know how this ends. Following you does not end well. I am going to follow my father for I know that in his way is true salvation. And if I can save his children, us, his people, he will do what he has to do. Jesus overcame. He presented us the blueprint for overcoming ourselves. How to live a perfect righteousness and that alone will help give us the promise of eternal life. It's faith in action, people. It is transforming. It is life-changing. It's miraculous. Grace in our lives. When we give ourselves to our Savior, we give our love our love to our God, we, we put them first. We put God first in our lives. We follow the commandments. We follow the things that God has set for us to make sure we have a good life. We will have a good life. And it's crucial for us to have that. It's crucial for us to know that, that knowing that the world is coming to an end, that this world is coming to an end, that this existence is temporary, it's humbling, but at the same time, it's opening up an opportunity for us to, to make the choice that we need to make, a choice that is right in front of us, a choice that we can grab right now. We just have to reach for it. The plan is there. The way that it's going, the way that we need to, to meet this demand, to meet these requirements is written. It's written right here in this book, the Bible. It's written in the words of God, and it is paid for and published in the blood of Christ. We follow these things. We do what's asked. We put our trust, our faith, our hearts, our minds, our bodies, our souls, our spirit. We put 100% of ourselves into following what God has outlined for us and doing what God has set for us, you know, we, we will get there. We will find this eternal life at the end of this. And like I said, I want to be able to sit there in front of God with Jesus next to me and hearing, enter the kingdom of God. I can't wait for that. I can't. I think it's just going to be beautiful. I think it's going to be so powerful. It's going to be so good. And I hope I, everyone listening that you want the same thing. So with that, I just want to thank everybody for listening today, for joining us in this lesson. I mean, like I said, this is a very, very powerful lesson. The stuff that we talked about is so impactful. And again, you may have to read it another time maybe two, three times, but the message is there. The instructions are there. How we get closer to God, how we survive and how we live, it's there for us. We just have to take that opportunity and reach for it. But again, thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or comments about this week's lesson, please go to our podcast page on our website. It's threeangelssda.org slash podcast. That's threeangelssda.org slash podcast. 
and use the comments section. There, you can listen to any of the previous lessons as well as our other programs. We are doing Friday Night Vespers. We are planning on doing Bible studies and other Bible lessons you know, through podcasts as well as actual live recordings. So we really enjoy having you there, and if you can, definitely participate. Also, don't forget to subscribe and like and share this podcast and our previous episodes on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. All you have to do is just search for ABQ Three Angels Podcast. Again, that's ABQ Three Angels Podcast. All of our lessons that we've done so far this quarter and last quarter will be there for you to be able to look at and to download and to listen to. I mean, it's definitely worth the time. But with that, I want to say God bless you all and join us next week as we go over the next lesson titled The Good News of the Judgment. And that's going to be for the week of April 22nd through April 28th. Again, that next lesson is going to be The Good News of the Judgment. I want to thank you all for listening, and I look forward to having you all here with us again. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and close with a prayer. So please bow your heads and listen. Lord, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for being here with us today, for opening our minds and our hearts to this beautiful message of giving you the respect, the praise, the honor, the love, the the glory that you absolutely deserve, Lord. Lord, there's nothing in this world that compares to the love, the sacrifices, and the things you've done for us. And we look forward to the day that we could stand next to you in heaven and enjoy the thing that you have promised us, the eternal life, the salvation that was outlined there, and to be able to commune with you face-to-face, much as like Adam and Eve did in the beginning. Lord, this world's full of temptation, and Satan is doing his best to keep us occupied and distracted. And Lord, we ask that you be with us and to help us find a way of getting past those distractions and helping us to have the faith of Jesus, to have a faith that he had in you, and that we can live that through you as well. Lord, we look forward to the day of seeing you return in the clouds and to beckon us all home. Lord, we ask you to forgive us of the many transgressions and the many sins that we have in our lives, and that the Son that you have sent to us, his blood sacrificed for us, helps cleanse us and frees us of our these sins. Lord, we ask all these things in your Son's holy and precious name. Amen. This podcast has been brought to you by the Albuquerque Three Angels SDA Church. If you would like to know more about our church, please visit threeangelssda.org.